0: Welcome to the Church Sound Podcast, part of the Repurpose Network, where kingdom culture, real life, and technology intersect. I'm your host, Prentice Thompson, what we do, we talk to real people, pastors, leaders, engineers, tech people, manufacturers, worship leaders, all about church, technology, and provide solutions for a successful Sunday morning service. You ready? It's time to take a ride. Let's go. Yes, yes, welcome to another edition of the Church Sound Podcast. You know, I always say I love when you guys applaud, even though I'm making myself. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're in the gym, if you're in the car, you're doing something, you're clapping your hands. But if you're driving, please, please do not start clapping. You can nod and smile. That that works. Today, we have a very, very special show. I know I say that all the time, but we do. We want to talk about design design in a very, very different way. Now, when you hear about design, normally you, you it'll come across as a ah, fashion designer like Calvin Klein or Versace or Armani, or if you're from my part of town where I grew up, it was Dapper Dan. In the art of definition of, 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 of design, it's sketching and painting or sculpture, but it's kind of something that it's kind of relative to art, if you will, or design, if you will, Right. But the, but to talk about design technically is something that most of us don't even think about. But I have a great person that can definitely break it down to you, and we're gonna have a great conversation, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all ages. Please welcome. I'm gonna I don't screw his last name up. Josh Hollowicki, the founder and CEO of E2I Design. Did I do that right?
1: You got it, man. Right I got on. it. spot on, first time, every time.
0: <laughs> man. Yeah, I love it.
1: Hey, listen, you know, from 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 people
0: with with interesting first name first names and last names, you know, I've learned how to fight from people jacking my name up as a kid, because <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a junior, so. None of my family called me Prentice or Prentice. That's how they say it in the South, Prentice. No one called me that at all unless until I went to first grade. So when I got to first grade, all the kids were calling me princess. So that was the running joke. You know, mm-hmm. princess, princess. And so I had I had to defend my name. But now as an adult, I find myself constantly reminding people about the correct pronunciation. And or call me Prentice or or um or Preston that's the other one or, or Preston Preston okay, <laughs> it's kind of a stretch, but I'll, I'll give it to him i guess man you you would you, you would be surprised so thanks thanks for being on the show. I was reading your it's bio great to be here. I was reading your bio and and you started out in lighting, and like how I look at lighting it's like it's like painting live in a, in a, in a coloring book, but live. And Mm -hmm. how did you even get, how did that enter your world?
1: Yeah. When I was a kid, um, I was, uh, our church started doing these big uh, Christmas productions and, um, called the glory of Christmas. And, uh, I was probably, I don't know, man, like seven or eight years old at the time. And one of the things that just absolutely fascinated me was the lighting. And most specifically was our church was renting at the time. And this is way, this is 1988, 89. uh, They were renting some high-end systems in telebeams. And if you've ever seen that fixture, (laughs) it's about four feet tall. Or long, depending on it's hanging. And it's got a mirror, and the light would hit the mirror. They moved all over the place. And um they would rent those in for the for the Christmas show. And man, I was just in awe of what wow. that could do. We rented six of them, you know, and I mean, that was big time. I and mean, we had a big auditorium that was built you know, long, long time ago at the time. And um, uh, I was just so fascinated by what that was, what it could do. And I was just drawn in, you know, and I just watched from a distance growing up you know I, I participated in the shows and sang in the teen choir and then as I got older in the adult choir um, being a lighting designer was never on my radar and definitely not working for a church wasn't anywhere close <laughs> um, i was uh I was in business I was going to college to get a business degree which i which I did um, but I was in a family business and uh, it's just, I started volunteering at the church on the lighting team finally at, at uh, 20, I don't know, I was 23 years old when I finally started volunteering on lighting. It took me all those years. But anyway. So this whole time I you just just kept
0: watching from afar?
1: This whole watching, time? watching, you know, watching from on stage, you know, singing in the choir and just wow. like. Wow. <laughs> man, this is cool. <laughs> and uh, so. Anyway, I, I started volunteering at like 22, 23 years old. And then God just made some circumstances happen. And, and, uh, he basically said, you're going to be a lighting designer and you're going to be on staff at your church. Go. And I, you know, that wasn't my plan and not even close. Um, but God's always got a different story. So he just does what he he wants to do. And then we just get to ride along. So anyway, so I found myself at 20, I don't know, 23, 24 years old on staff at this church. And we were, you know, at the time we were maybe running about 2,800, 2,900 people on a weekend. And, um, we had moved into a new building about six or seven years before. And, um, and they had a video director and they had an audio director but they had nobody on lighting lighting i mean they had great volunteers um, but they had no staff person leading that and so they were really looking for somebody to kind of help take it to the next level they had just invested in a broadcast video system to do multi-site and and all kinds of other things they wanted to do and and they needed somebody so i got hired Uh, and i'll be honest with you i didn't know nothing i mean i i knew what i knew as a volunteer you know um, and what I had learned along the way, but what I did have was a passion for it. I really loved it and i 'm a creative i have a i 'm a musician and I have a creative eye so i had the I had the heart i just didn 't have the art yet i didn 't know how to do it i didn't know how to use gotcha. my my passion so then they just poured into me you know got me got me in with some of the best designers uh, in the Christian world and the secular world as well. And I went out to Las Vegas and did some behind the scenes stuff and attended some classes with some really well-known designers and, and just soaked up as much knowledge as I could and, uh, as fast as possible. And then I came back from all of that and started working on that Christmas show that I had grown up with that I always loved so much. And then, you know, and there I went. And from that point forward, I just, My vision was just to put my head down, meet and connect with as many people as I possibly could and learn as much as I possibly could as fast as possible. And, um, and I've never stopped since. Um, and, uh, after a period of time on staff there, I felt called again, like I had fulfilled the mission of, of being put on staff and really felt called from working for a church to working for the church. So gotcha. I started E2i Design to help the church. And at the time, primarily in lighting and visual scenic. And we've just expanded into audio and video and things over the years. Um, but that's how I got here, man. <laughs> wow. wow,
0: That's, that, that's amazing. And, and you said something very, very key that people poured into you. And, and I noticed on your website, training is such a very big component of your, your pillars, if you will. Um, but someone invested in you. And a lot of times when I meet with churches, that's the last thing they want to do. It's like, they want to get the gear and get the end result. But the middle part is the thing you have to convince them in.
1: Would you take a 16 year old kid who just got his license or her license and put him behind the wheel of a Ferrari and send him on down the road? No, no. You'd train him. You wouldn't hand them the keys and nothing until you knew they knew how to drive it, right? (laughs) That's right. Right? So I look at it like that. Um, E2I, that's on my shirt here. But but E2I is like E squared. I have your sticker. You got the sticker. I got the sticker, brother. (laughs) It stands for educate, empower, inspire. Our vision has always been education is the foundation of everything that we do as far as technology is concerned. The very first thing we do is educate. We teach. If you were to come to me and say, Josh, I got this vision and I want to do X, Y, and Z in our worship space. And I'd say, awesome. I'm going to start asking a lot of questions and then I'm going to start coaching immediately through that. Have you thought about this? Why have you thought about this? What is your intended result? How are we going to teach people? How are we going to develop teams, both staff and volunteers? And then I'm going to train you through the process. Okay, so here's the equipment I would pick and why. Here's why I would pick this. Here's why I wouldn't pick that, right? And we'll start teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. And before you know it, we've got you embedded in a culture of constant knowledge gain. And then we're going to use that to empower you and your staff and your volunteers to grow in a technology fashion. And then we're going to use all that for inspiration. We're going to use that to motivate your congregation, motivate your community to preach the message, to sell the message to the community. Right. 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 Um, but education is the baseline. I mean, 24 hours a day, seven days a week when my eyeballs aren't open <laughs> and I'm sleeping, when my eyes are open, all I'm doing is trying to gain more knowledge. So I tend my team, we tend every trade show, every convention, every, everything we constantly are checking in with manufacturers. What's new? What can we learn? What can we gain? We know it's all we do. And for us, we need to have the heart and the mindset of that in the tech area, tech arts area of our ministries in a constant state of knowledge gain. Because the more we know, the better users of the technology we're going to be, right. the better we're going to be able to deploy it in our ministries, the better we're going to be able to serve our ministries and what what they've given us from a resources perspective. And it's just good stewardship, right? I mean, it's, it's good stewardship, not only to know and understand the equipment, but also to create a culture that right. allows others to buy into that and to, you know, it, a culture of education and knowledge gain doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Mm. People don't just come in and go, you know, as volunteers, especially in a church, they don't come in and go, teach me more about how to be a good audio engineer. And you you might get that occasionally from somebody who maybe like me was really yeah. passionate about something.
0: An outlier but yeah.
1: John and Jane Q volunteer are just like, I don't know anything, but I want to serve the church. Show me what to do. The more you gain them knowledge, the better resource they're gonna be for a week to week basis. But they might be your next person to train your next person. Mm. And how do you want that next person to be taught? You wanna be taught what that person thinks or are you going to be taught what you've taught them right. and how you want it laid out. Right. right. So that to me is the core it, it, education has got to be part of the conversation on a regular basis. We cannot have technology and expect good, strong, positive results without the middle part.
0: Right. 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 Very true. Do you know, its something that that always rings true and especially in technology and not can you say especially in the church today is a phrase that I say the term the worship experience, which is such a general statement. Mm-hmm. like how would you personally and technically define it?
1: it? to me, the worship experience is everything related to what happens for a live and video worship experience, right? And sometimes those are two maybe distinct things that work together. But when you talk about the worship experience, that to me is everything that engages every sense, even from the moment that somebody opens their car door on your parking lot. You know, When we talk to people about building projects, whether it's a new construction or a renovation project, or just how do we enhance our overall experience, the first thing I say is, well, what do people see and feel when they drive into your parking lot? Are there banners that you know, entice the senses of what they're about to walk into? Is there video content outside? You know, is your building lit up with great colors and cool things? When they open the door, do they hear music? Does it set the tone? What happens when they get to the door? Is there a friendly face there that's saying hi? Is there music? Is there a vibe when they open the door? Like we're setting somebody's worship experience from the second they get on campus, right? We're setting them up for what they're about to experience. And sometimes it might be something very specific, like a series or a or a talk that might be going on or it might be a little more general, just, hey, get you in the worship mood, you know, to kind of set the tone that you're on campus. But when I talk about worship experience, once I open the doors to the auditorium and I walk in there, what do I see? What do I hear? What kind of a mood, what kind of a vibe is in there? What's going on? And then how does all of that play to setting up what I'm about to experience, right? What type of a worship environment are we going to have? And that worship experience is how the technology supports that, how the worship team, like the, the, the music worship team. So there's like worship arts, that's technical side. Right. And then there's worship music arts, which is instruments, vocalists. Right. But we're all one worship team creating a worship experience. Mm -hmm. All of it ultimately should be designed for one thing to set pastor up for success when he or she steps onto that platform to deliver the message. So everything that we're doing from a worship experience perspective should be funneling everyone right down to what pastor is mm-hmm. going to be walking up to. And the pastor should be able to walk up there in this perfect moment. And we've already done mm-hmm. the job, right? Right. Um, our music should be in alignment with what pastor is mm-hmm. going to be preaching on that weekend. Our video content our you know, all, our lighting, our sound, everything should be funneling energy towards setting pastor up because that's ultimately the final piece, right? That's the thing that's going to deliver the message in its entirety or the rest of the message, Mm -hmm. I should say. And it's also going to deliver that call to action, right? Right. So we're oftentimes setting up the conflict. Sometimes we're setting up the overall experience, but it's all part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Is that kind of answer, yeah, answer yeah, your question? Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of pieces to it, right?
0: Definitely, definitely. But, I, you know, the thing is that we're in service, especially in the technology side and art side, we're in service to the people, the pastor, the message. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. we don't know what stage people... People could walk in, in the seed stage where the seeds need to be planted. People could walk in into... This is which is watering the seed that was planted. Um People could walk in, well, this is the sunlight on on the water to grow the seed. You just never know what stage people are walking in on. And obviously they're walking in everyone's walking on different stages, but the worship experience, how you described it, is it's soup to nuts. That's what I call it. It's like from mm-hmm. the door, from the parking lot to the message. It's all succinct. And us who play a part, everyone who plays a part in this, because it's we all play a part into this, into the what we call the worship experience is meeting the one the pastor's talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's critical that we invest some time and energy and resources into making that experience great. Right. right. Um, you don't want to, you got to plan it and be well thought out. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to be overproduced. Well, it's not about being overproduced. It's about planning and preparing the table. Right. You don't invite dinner guests over to your house and start handing them Cups and plates and tablecloths and everything and ask them to set the table. Right. You do that. And when they walk in, they're focused on the one thing, which is the experience that you're trying to create for them. And the same thing goes into worship setting. You don't want to have people showing up and you're not ready for them, right? That's going to be a distraction. And if you create a distraction for them because you didn't prepare then I call that bringing a cheap offering.
0: It's <laughs> a good way. It's a good phrase.
1: You don't show up at 8.30 on Sunday morning and expect greatness to happen by 9 a.m. and you have all these technical pieces that you're trying to pull off. Right. You're just setting yourself up for a nightmare So and to be a distraction. So if you're going to take it to that level and really focus on creating a great experience, it does have to be well thought out. You do have to, cross the T's and dot the I's and make sure that the experience that you're trying to create is well thought out is cohesive and it's not distracting. Right. You know, I've heard right. people say, Oh, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z in a service because it's a distraction. Well, it can be <laughs> if you don't plan ahead, right? It's When's awesome. the last time you saw it done? Oh, I walked into this church and it was all over the place. Well, don't judge it, you know, by the worst judge, it by, uh-huh. you know, one. So, but you got to think it through, you know, you have to be well thought out. Um, but you do that again, not cause you're trying to be slick and overproduced, but at the end of the day, the most important aspect is to bring our best. Yeah. My worship pastor always used to tell me that excellence honors God and inspires people. Mm. And, um, we, our target our measurable is excellence, not perfection, but excellence. And so everything that we look at has to pass through the filter of M is what I'm doing, leading us down the path of creating excellence. Um, It's like, if I gave it that extra five minutes, if I scheduled that other 20 minutes of rehearsal, if I just threw one more volunteer at it, could I achieve the excellence factor by just giving it that little bit more? And if that's the case, then yeah, okay, let's go for it. Right. Um, but am I achieving excellence in every service? And you can't let off the gas. I think the most right. important thing is goes back to what you said was you never know where someone's at on their journey. And so if you take your foot off the gas for one moment, you could be isolating or alienating a certain group of people mm. that are on their journey. Right. So you have to be on all the time, which again goes back to, being well thought out and well-planned and well-organized so that what you're trying to deliver is not a distraction. I mean, if the band don't rehearse, that could be a distraction. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. You had this term on your website that I thought was very, very interesting. It said needs based design process.
1: Mm -hmm. Like what, Kate, what is that? So for us, every ministry is unique. There is no rubber stamp or cookie cutter that we can ever use from church to church. Certainly, we all look at ministries around us or ministries that inspire us or motivate us for some inspiration. Right. right. We all look at the church that we say, oh, I really like their worship style or their worship experience. I really like that pastor's teaching style. I really love the visuals that they create, whatever, pick, pick one, you know, everybody's got something, (laughs) but the most important thing of that is that we're always passing it through the unique filter of our own church. Every ministry in, on the planet has got its own mission, vision, value, and purpose. And at the heart of that is what makes up its own unique DNA. Right. So, while we are all delivering one message, which is Christ is the way to the Father, right? Um, We're all delivering it in a different way. Um, And when we talk about needs-based design, that's the piece that's at the heart of it, is what is the vision of the ministry? What are the needs of the ministry? And how do we design technology based on satisfying those needs? not based on satisfying the church that you saw that you like what they do and you want to do it too Um, not designing based on the latest and greatest technology that's out there and 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 you saw it and you want to do it too yes not what you saw on the oscars (laughs) on sunday night and you want to do it too okay none of that's relevant right all of it it. means nothing what matters is what are we trying to accomplish and again grabbing inspiration cool no problem there, but saying I want to do it, the people that scare us the most are the ones who say I want to do it like the church down the street. <laughs> we always- they're doing it that way for them, right? Right. That makes sense for them. That speaks to them. Right. That speaks to their environment, speaks to their culture, speaks to their community, whatever. But you can't you can't take their success and try and apply it in your environment and expect the same results. It doesn't work that way. So, because my world is the technology, that's where I live. And that's where we focus when we're having that conversation, which is we're going to design based on your need, your vision, and your intended results. And that's where we go when we're talking about needs-based design, right? So there's a lot behind it. (laughs) How, How long...
0: How long does it take someone, like when you go talk to a church, how long did it take them to get, so they can kind of understand what we, what, you, what you're what you saying to me, which I get because this is a conversation you have all
1: the time. How long does it I take? I try and make it th- happen as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> a Great lot of people answer. get it. You know, I mean, a lot of people get it. Um, I can't say a lot of people apply it, but a lot of people get it. Um, it's my job to keep them on the path to to maintaining that, it, it's about that need. We've certainly had ministries along the road that we've worked with that we probably should not have worked with had I'm we gone with our gut question. instinct. I'm about to ask you that. Yeah. yeah. We've had ministries along the road where there has been a stronger interest in a particular piece of technology or a particular brand or a particular, right? It's like, I got to have this particular PA in my room. Okay. Why is that? Well, I heard it over here and I love it. Great. Well, I've done the modeling on your room. And what I'm telling you that that particular PA isn't right for the space. This one is, and it's actually cheaper. Um, you know, it just hardly ever happens, but whatever. The, the price doesn't the matter best. at that point. Best, so. No, we got to have that brand. I'm yeah. telling you, that brand's not right for the space. That box is not right for the. Right. And so we acquiesced. That's what you want, um, against all our better judgment and, and so forth. And other areas, other needed areas of technology suffered because. A higher price point had to be paid for that right. equipment, right? And you know what? It still didn't fit the space. It still didn't sound right. It still was wrong it, when it when it got deployed. It's not anything that we did wrong or that the manufacturer did wrong. Right. It was the wrong application, right? Um, and it's like I can't believe I'm arguing with you over. <laughs> Spending less money on a better solution. I had actually gotten accused of fudging the numbers on the model And I was like But I'm selling you a less expensive system How why would I lie about that? Why would I lie anyway, but like I have no skin in the game I, I'm i not gonna lie to you about what is right. It's not like I get more money off of this manufacturer than I do off of that one. I all I care about is putting the right solution in but anyway it's happened. Um, and we should have just said, you know what? I should have known from the first meeting because the other thing, ministries that want to do it like somebody else scare me, you know who else scares me? People I can tell right off the bat are uninterested in working with you and the team to learn and to grow and to put together the best possible system. Just and those who are like, <laughs> I know what I want. This is what I want you to do for me put it done. In. we're not that company we are not those kind of people you can go find somebody else to just take your money I'll be honest with you it's not who we're interested in working with and I should have just said you know what meaning done You're, you are not the right fit for us um, so as we've grown um, we've certainly gotten a much more scrutinizing eye when it comes to that stuff. And I always approach every ministry, especially on the first meeting of saying, this is my opportunity to learn about you just as much as it is your opportunity to learn about me. And we will collectively decide if we're going to work together. Mm, But I'm not working with anybody that I don't feel like is a good fit for us. Mm. Um, I don't care how much money they have. All I care about is, are we a right fit? And will it be a fun, exciting, enjoyable experience that's going to make the most impact to the ministry are right. we here for ourselves or are we here for the church and if we're here for the church we're going to work together and we're going to do awesome things if we're here for us you can go give your money to somebody else because that's a, that's just a recipe for a disaster and i'm not right. into it anymore you know right. right it happened once and i was like nah. one one too many Yeah. And I felt, and I even went back to church leadership and I was like, guys, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And I'm telling you, it's the wrong approach. Um, And they didn't want to undermine their tech people. And I get it. You know, you, you got your staff and you, but I I gave all the red flags and the warnings that I could. And then we did our best, you know, I mean, everybody worked hard, but it wasn't fun. It just felt, I don't know. It just wasn't a great experience. So yeah, yeah, it
0: happens. Yeah, we've 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 all gone going through going through the or had that church or that person in mind. Like I would never do that again, you know, and recognizing red flags when 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 they when they cross your path. So, how did you how, you started in lighting? So, what was the growth process for for your company?
1: So we did a lot of work in in lighting, um, lighting design, sales, lighting well, lighting sales from equipment and design and deployment things like that. Um, and we went through a really long and, and good season there. Um, what really actually changed it was I had other people um, who were on staff at churches, and I've never hired anybody away from a church from a technical role. Um, I feel like if you want to work with us, you're called here and the, you know the paths will align and things will happen. Um, so I was approached by a dear friend who was working at a ministry for over 15 years, and he said, uh, hey... I feel like you did a couple of years ago. I feel like I've done everything I was called here to do. I feel like I've fulfilled the mission that was put on me for this church. I really love what E2I Design is doing for the House of Worship community. And um, I've been impacted very positively by working with you. I'm feeling called to come work on the team. And so we engaged some conversation and, and his particular area of focus was audio and infrastructure. And, um, I said, well, that's great. That's a place that I'm not super familiar with. So why don't we explore that? And we were able to create more offerings and, and, and assist our existing clients. Cause we certainly had a lot of ministries who were saying, gosh, I wish you could help me with the audio or the video infrastructure side of things. Mm. And that's just not my area of expertise. And I know how to stay in my own lane, um, But when everything kind of came to fruition, it made sense. So we just kind of expanded that way and started touching the other areas. And now we're able to provide complete solutions. So we still do, you know, a lot of box sales, right? It's like box sales with an expert instead of just going (laughs) on Amazon, which most of the stuff we provide, you can't even buy on Amazon because it's all pro, you know, equipment. But um, you you get an expert in ministry to be your partner. And that's most important for us but we still do box sales. We do complete systems design and deployment. So we have an install team and we can go put things in. I even created something called a guided install for churches who are like, hey, we got a team of people who are ready, willing, and able. Uh, we just don't necessarily have the knowledge base or the expertise to deploy it all the way. But if you if you gave us an expert, we could do it. Um, so we provide an expert. So we'll send, rather than a team of people, we'll send one person. And we will guide you through your own system deployment. Um, mm, to an extent, right? Obviously, you know you don't mm. want to be rigging your own PA right. and uh, your own lighting bars Different and all animal. that. We'll, we'll take care right. of that. Up. But we have cre- we created this hybrid called a guided install, and that's something that we'll do with ministries. My biggest vision is to meet ministry where you're at, and to provide value where value is needed, not where I'm trying to sell it. So I'm not out there trying to sell install. Like if you don't. Have us put it in, you can't have it. If that's not what you need, then tell me how I can best serve your church and then let me fill in the gaps. Let me help you get better. I love the guided install because at the end of the day, when a system is deployed, um, you have to know how to operate it. You know, we work all over the world. I mean, we've done projects in Asia and Canada and Mexico. We do projects all over. And people say, how do you service ministries when you're not local? And I say, if I was sitting in your parking lot on a Sunday morning (laughs) and a problem came up, I couldn't get in the door fast enough to solve it. That's not what it's about. It's not about having a crutch and someone that you have to call in every time you have a problem. It's about gaining your own knowledge and us teaching you about your system so that you can manage it and you can fix it. So if you've got a problem on a Sunday morning, you pick up the phone, and we will answer the phone. Um, our phone system has no hours. You know, catch us after nine. You know, nine o'clock, we'll be open. <laughs> you call, it will ring, um, and we'll answer it, and we'll troubleshoot with you, and we'll talk it through. Hey, Bob, remember when we were there and we did this, this, this? Yep. Okay, remember where I showed you? Uh huh. Go there. Oh shoot, somebody unplugged it. Plug it back in, man. Boom, up and running. Great, fixed. Um, part of our training is also teaching people when to decide that it can't be done. Let's just move on. Right. Um, Sometimes you just got to call an audible and get back to search. Right.
0: We just ain't going to have
1: that thing. Right. Sometimes you have to, you just go, Hey, we're going to work on this for the next 10 minutes. And if it don't happen, we're bailing. We'll deal with it on Monday. We got to get back Mm -hmm. to church. We'll figure it out. we can't let that that failure right be a distraction from a great service right Um, so sometimes that happens Um, but because education is foundational in what we're doing we've never ever met a challenge that we can't solve especially and we set up all our systems for remote access so we can get in we can see what's going on and you know that sort of thing again I could be sitting in a lawn chair in the front front of the building and I couldn't make it in fast enough to solve the problem. And frankly, I may not be able to. Like, that's the sort of weird thing is like you pick up the phone, you can have everybody in the company who worked on your project. If we were local, what if they're all out of town working on Mm. another church's project and we're not in town? Like, it's a false crutch, I think. So we set it up so that it's empowered and the ministry can function and can troubleshoot on their own or wave the white flag and bring us in or all of our manufacturers that we work with have 24 hour support that is there on a Sunday morning. Like we'll get you, if it can be fixed, we'll get it fixed. You know, I don't know how I rabbit trailed on that one, but. Nah,
0: but but it it makes perfect sense because we started our conversation with that. You lead with education and education is a foundation and once you have that in place then those those are the prime building blocks for success because yeah.
1: without it you just got you just got gear there's no such thing as a hands-off system i mean you, you know people say give me a turnkey system oh i've heard that a
0: million times
1: yeah let me no. tell you something let me let me tell you how how, how much turn of this key you're going <laughs> to end up doing um, cuz you know like where are And people get excited. I mean, most people get excited. I've never met anybody who's just like, I don't want nothing to do with it. Tell me when it's done. And if you did, I'd be like, that is not how this is going to go anyway. So y'all better be ready to learn. Uh, I want you following our install team around. Grab a box and take it out to the dumpster when we're done. Like, get involved. It's your church. It's your system. I cannot love it more than you. Um, It's the same thing when we design it, right? When we work on the design and the deployment or... You know, even if somebody calls up and said, just help me figure out, you know, here's what I think we need. Can you help me figure out if it's right? We'll walk you down that path, even if you're just buying gear, you know. Um, But when we're putting a system together, we're doing it together. It's not like we go, okay, here's what it's going to be. I hope you like it. It's really, hey, here's what you told us your vision is. Here's where you told us where you're going. And we're always looking at what are my immediate problems I need to solve and then what's my two-year vision for the ministry? What's my five-year plan, right? Those are relevant in decision-making. In a, yes. in a true partnership, which is what we're after, we're going to reassess that every couple of years. Okay, we got some new immediate needs. We got a new two-year vision. We got a new five-year plan. So we're constantly reevaluating how the technology is serving the constant ever-changing environment of a dynamic, thriving ministry. It's always changing. But we're going to say, okay, so you told us what your needs are. We've put a plan together. Here's what we think the plan is. What do you think? Ask some questions, get involved. We'll talk about adjustments, design revision. Then once we're all on board, everybody's good, then we're going to go. Right? Um, I think that's an important lead in. Um, I don't know if you were going to ask the question, but I'm going to, I'm going to put the question in there is that Technology is something that is not static. Correct. And it's important for tech teams and most importantly, leadership, i.e. pastors and bean counters. No offense to the you know, <laughs> accounting and finance team. But we are not going to buy something today. You know, you hear, is this going to last us 15 years? The equipment will probably last you 15 years. But I would venture to guess that the ministry will be in a very different place, different place. in the next 5 to 7 years Easily. than what this in 5 to maybe 7 sooner. years than what this technology is going to be able to provide yeah maybe is the sooner. piece of gear going to yeah is the piece of gear going to fall over dead no nope. very unlikely but in a changing dynamic ministry now does that mean we have to rip it all out no we shouldn't if we've done our job we shouldn't however we should be under the impression that things are going to change and we will need to make upgrades, changes, right? We did to design a system. We're looking for something that can serve that immediate need and and serve a marginal level of growth, right? Mm-hmm. Or a marginal level of change and transition before we need to switch the gear. Right. And the reason that mm-hmm. is, would be, uh, let's say on a week-to-week basis, your ministry needs uh, a 32 channel audio desk, right? We're running 32 channels hard all week, every week, rock and roll. Cool. Well, maybe we're going to spec in a 48 channel. Yeah. Give a little room. Yeah. Right. Leave a little room, a little growth. And then they may say, well, once a year, we need 96 channels. I ain't buying 96 channels. We'll rent that in when we need it. That's, too much growth. I'm paying a lot of money to be sitting on that amount of expansion that I may use once, that I may use in the future. It's like, "Oh, well we're we're going to go back to having a full orchestra." Well, when you go back to having a full orchestra, call me, and we'll upgrade the desk, right? We're not going to buy that now in hopes that in 2 or 3 years we're going to do it. Right. That's a lot of money. So, we're going to build that marginal amount of growth at that, that modest amount of of opportunity, and then we're going to say, "Okay, well now we've hit that next cap, we need to make the next jump, right? Again, I feel like it's being a good steward and a good resource, mm-hmm. um, not going overboard, uh, not paying for excess capacity. But it's important to understand that if you're in a dynamic, growing, thriving, and changing church, change being the operative word, then the equipment and the technology to support it will need to change with it. Right. Um, When we create a roadmap with a church and we're talking about that immediate two-year, five-year, one of the things that I want technology to look like is kind of like a nice meandering stream, right? Okay, we're going this way, and oh, the church is starting to change, so the technology is going to start to shift a little bit. Nope, the church is changing, and we're going to shift back this way, and we're going to follow the path of the church, right? When you talk to a ministry about a five-year plan, that's lawn darts, man. That's just something way out in the future. No church ever ever in five years looks like they think it will ever (laughs) it resembles it closely ish but it's never exact so your two year is your most accurate your five year is your pie in the sky that's but it's changing it's growing right it's it's a vision that you have today hopefully spirit led vision that you have as as church leadership today right in the future that that's going to continue to change right take a look back at the last five years and tell me how much change we as a society have gone through. Tell me the church hasn't had to change right along with it. How many woke up in March of 2020 and said, well, I guess we're streaming today. Otherwise we get no church, right? Talk about change. So when you look at, that was a shock to the system. That's a whole nother, we'll save that for another podcast. But when you talk about what you want technology to look like, it should follow that. When you start seeing sharp zigzags, that's the stuff you want to stay away from. We were going to run over here and we're going to chase the latest trends or the biggest technology or the newest thing or whatever. And then you get caught in the corner. Right. And now, oh, the church is going this way. You better run and catch up. And that's how you end up with closets full of gear. Man. Because it's like somebody who is on staff liked this thing and now they're gone and nobody has any clue how it works or why we bought it.
0: No, no, no. Or what it is. <laughs> that's the other or thing. Or even knows what it is. Or even what it is. And-
1: and that happens oh, too, right? That's, that's part of the lack of plan because ministries put a lot of faith and trust in the people who are leading those areas, whether they're staff or volunteer. Um, staff get a little more freedom with the budget, typically. Right. But what happens in that environment is you have to put, as a tech leader, you have to put your ego, your vision, your desires outside And step into the walls of the church and say, what are the needs of this ministry? And what is it going to take to satisfy those needs? Because I'm here now. doesn't matter to me what you did at the church you were at before or the church you might want to go to. What matters is what needs to be done here in these walls. Um, So looking at that aspect of it is critical to ensure that we're not buying for the people. We're Mm -hmm. buying for the church.
0: Right, right, right. I look at your schedule and this is probably the first year, I know you you know this, that at NAM and NAB are just like right behind each other. Um, with is have you seen anything that you're excited about gear wise? Um,
1: I can't say as I've I've gotten deep into the paint, if you will, on mm-hmm. some specific gear yet. We're just starting to look at what we're planning to see with some of these manufacturers. I mean we are seeing some, uh, some interesting new things coming from Ross Video that we do a lot of work with. Um, we're seeing some new things coming from Canon uh, that we do a lot of work with in that regard. Um, I'm not seeing anything earth shadowing in the, in the audio world. I think everybody just wants to get their sure microphones at this point. <laughs> Sorry, Shure. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh.
0: I know. This that's a whole nother podcast. that's a whole other. podcast. Listen, listen, listen. So l- what I want to do is after Nam and NAB, I want you to come back and let's talk about products that you've seen and kind of talk about these different products. Let's do sure. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that would be- I'm going to do one be better clear. for you because after Nam and NAB, I'm going to Frankfurt, Germany to ProLight and Sound, and then I'll be back. And in May, let's do one and I'll get you the real lowdown of everything that's happening oh, because, be... you know, pro light and sound is going to be everything. And a lot of manufacturers are going to be making some announcements and showing off some new stuff there. So that'll be a good one, too. So I'll I'll come I'll come armed with some really cool stuff uh, for that one. Yeah. And NAB will be awesome. I mean, that's going to be great.
0: There you go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs of all ages. I want to thank my good friend, Josh Hollowicky joining us from E2I Design. All of his information will be in the show notes. Um, if you're listening and you want some visual contact with my friend here, we're going to be on YouTube. And make sure you like, subscribe, and review, and we will see you next time on the Church Sound Podcast.